Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Colossians 3, verse 22. Colossians 3, verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. There were three young boys, and they were at school, and they were bragging on their fathers. So the one boy said, what does your father do? And the young boy said, well, my father's a lawyer, and he has a case, and he could be working on that case for a year, but after he finishes that case and he does such a great job in the courtroom, he gets a big, fat paycheck. Well, the other boy said, well, what does your father do? He said, well, my father, he's a doctor, and he works really, really hard. And, you know, he, he does a surgery, and it could take him 10, 15, sometimes it could take him 20 hours to do a surgery. But after the surgery, my dad gets a big, fat paycheck and takes us to Disney World. Well, the last boy said, my dad, well, he's a preacher. And my dad, he scribbles a few things on a pad, and it takes six men to collect his paycheck. Oh, you get it on the way home. Not true, but funny. This morning, I want to continue to talk about making decisions in our life. And I can't tell you how many young people or young persons that really have just connected to what we've been saying. And I thank the Lord for what God's doing amongst our young people as they're deciding to follow the ways of the Lord. And so many of them are finding the will of God as they're finding the ways of God in their life. And they're discovering that God really is for them. God has an incredible plan for their life. Today, I want to talk about the next thing. Last week, we talked about finding that the right kind of person that you can marry in your life. This week, we want to talk about understanding our work life and finding the right career. Now, you might say, Pastor Steve, and by the way, Pastor Henry is preaching at our other campus in Farmingdale, and he's preaching the exact same message right now. But, but you would say, why talk about work? What is so spiritual about work? Well, the truth is, as Christians, everything we do is relationally connected to God. In fact, Paul the Apostle said, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, in, in the context of what Paul the Apostle is talking about, he's actually talking about what you eat, what you drink. In, in the context, he's talking about don't let anyone stumble or fall over the way you live your life. But the truth is, Paul is saying, whatever you do in your life, always ask the question, is this bringing glory and honor to God? And the truth is, there are so many things in our life that we do every day, the mundane things of our life, the simple things of our life that we don't think anyone else is watching, but they are. We don't think that anyone else is looking at us wondering if we're going to live our life 
as a Christ-like follower of God, and we're going to do it the right way. So everything in our life, the simple, the mundane things of our life can bring glory and honor to God. If you're a housewife, the way you do it can bring glory and honor to God. If you work outside of the home, it can bring glory and honor to God. Everything we do should bring glory and honor to God. Now, there's a specific number, 97,760. That's a big number. Some of you wish that was on your W-2 form. Some of you wish that that number was in your pocket right now. But 97,670 or 760,000 hours is a very important part. Why? Because that's about how many hours you're going to spend as you work in your life. That's your work life. You know, did you know that one-third of your whole entire life will be spent working at a job? That's a lot of time. One-third of your life outside of the home, you will be working, doing something in your life as a career. And the truth is, what we do for the next one-third of our lives will really be important not only to you but to God. Why? Because Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. He said the days are evil therefore don't be foolish but understand what is the Lord's will for your life. How do we find God's will for our life? Walking in his ways. But God says don't be foolish about making wise decisions in your life. Why? Because you're going to spend one-third of your life making a major decision, and that is what's going to be your career. Where are you going to work outside of the home? Or perhaps maybe you're going to be a housewife inside the home. Whatever it may be, Paul the Apostle says, make the most of every opportunity. Don't take it lightly. Take it seriously. Realize that God has given all of us a window of opportunity to do something in our life that's going to make a difference. Therefore, he said, don't be foolish about your career. See, the truth is many Christians miss the boat when it comes to their career because they, they simply don't understand how important it is to God. They don't understand the meaningfulness of work in their life. In fact, most Christians don't realize how spiritual and how God-honoring work really is. In fact, most Christians absolutely, absolutely, at times, actually separate their job and their spiritual life, and they think that they're actually not one in the same. Most Christians can't see their job. They can't see what they do as an opportunity that God has given them. They can't see the connection between God and their jobs. Most Christians don't see the connection between their spiritual life and their work life. In fact, there's no difference because everything in our life is spiritual. Let me say that again. When we love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and he tells us to do everything in our life for the glory of God, then everything becomes a spiritual, listen to me, expression of our love for God and our love for other people. You know, I can be working on my yard, and that can become a spiritual expression of my love for God. Somebody might come and say, hey, it looks pretty good, and I can enter into dialogue about the Lord with them. 
listen, flowers and everything that we, we, we plant in life are part of God's creation, and we can give thanks for all of those things. You know, yesterday morning, I went for a bike ride really early in the morning, and it was the most awesome thing. I went for a bike ride in Oceanside. There's a park there, and there was nobody there that, that early in the morning, and I was just uh, riding my bike, and then I got off my bike, and I just started to sing. I had my... my, my, uh, my uh, I want to say Walkman, but we don't use Walkmans anymore. My iPod. And I was just singing and worshiping the Lord. And, and I saw the beautiful sunlight. And I saw everything around me. And I thought of that song, I come alive. I am alive. I feel alive on God's great dance floor. And I have to be honest with you. I had my own little service that yesterday morning all by myself. I was dancing. I was singing, praising the Lord. Why? Because everything that I do in my life is an act of worship to the Lord. Amen? Everything you do in your life is an act of worship to the Lord. You see, the truth is, if you ask most people, are they happy at work, most people would say, absolutely not. Truth is, their favorite time of the whole week is 5 o'clock on Friday. That's why they have a restaurant called TGIF. Thanks, thank God it's Friday, right? For most of us, the most miserable time in all of our week is Monday morning when we have to go back to work. Most of the people really live for a paycheck. They don't understand the connection between what God wants to do in their work life. In fact, I'm reminded of the woman who went uh, to her boss. She was a secretary, and she said, uh, there, uh, I need a raise, and I want a raise right now because there's three companies that are after me right now. And the boss said, really? What companies are they? She said, the electric company, the telephone company, and the gas company. And the truth is, most people... If they're really, really honest with themselves and honest with God, so many people wonder, what am I doing here? Maybe it's because some of us weren't even Christians before we started our career. Or maybe it's because some of us as Christians never really stopped to consider that God really cares about what you do as a career. That God cares about every single part of your life. That God cares about every decision that you make in your life. See, I'm convinced today that whatever we do, wherever we are, unless we're loan sharks or mobsters or call girls or drug dealers, I believe that God can redeem for the glory of his kingdom. And you and I can find fulfillment and direction from God when we recognize that our work really matters to God. Why? Because, listen to me, God created work. See, most of us believe that work is a curse. Most of us believe that we work because Adam and Eve sinned, and as a result of that, we have to work. Because if Adam and Eve didn't sin, then I could be sitting on a lounge chair all my life just hanging out with an alcohol-free pina colada. Notice I said alcohol-free. That work is really a curse. But did you know that work was never intended to be a curse? In fact, God created work. In fact, he, God himself worked. The Bible says that he created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested from his work. See, God is a God of creation. God is a God who loves to work and create new things, and God is always creating new things. He's a God of great, great creation. And so when God gives us work, when he puts work in our hands, he says, create. He says, do something good. 
make something out of nothing. And some of you people, I have to tell you, you are some of the most incredibly talented people that I've ever seen in my life. You know, I serve with a staff of people that I am amazed at their talent and their ability. And you know, Graciela, she works in the church. She's the head of the custodial staff here at Bethlehem Assembly of God. And the truth of the matter is every once in a while I go, Graciela, the stage looks a little like it needs a little life to it. And she'll come and put some flowers on the stage and she'll, she'll put some plants on the stage and she'll make something out of nothing. Give Graciela a big hand. She's here right now. And that's creativity. That's wonderful. And that's something that God does in us and through us in our life. You know, some of you are incredibly talented. You have incredible minds. And you could create things with your mind. Some of you can create things with your hands. Some of you are really good talkers. And some of you are fast talkers. <laughs> some of you are smooth talkers. Uh, but every one of us have a gift from God. And all of those things are God's way of saying that I've created you in my image to be able to to work to create new things in life did you know that even when we get to heaven I know some of you you thinking to yourself you know I'm gonna work for 60 70 years I'm gonna retire and hopefully I'm gonna go to heaven and when I go to heaven I'm not gonna have to work anymore did you know that there's gonna be work in heaven but it's gonna be a delight it's gonna be a joy to work listen to me you got to keep working you know there's nowhere in the you know did you know that there's nowhere in the Bible that we're supposed to retire no we can leave our job because God has blessed us for many years, but we never retire. We go on the mission field. We do the work of the kingdom of God. We do something. Listen, when you stop working, you die. The truth of the matter is there, there are too many Americans that they, they're, they're working hard every day, and they're thinking, you know, when I turn 65 or 70 years old, then I'm not going to work anymore. You know what? That's so unhealthy for you physically. It is so unhealthy for you mentally. Because your mind, it keeps on being sharp because you keep on creating and working and doing something meaningful in your life, something significant in your life. So this morning, I want to give you some biblical principles about your work as you make decisions. Maybe some of you, you're young people, and, and, and you're thinking, what should I do in my life? You know, what career should I, should I embrace in my life? Some of you are already working. Some of you are on the tail end of your career, and now you're moving out of your career, the one that you've had for 30 years, and now you're praying and asking the Lord, what's my next move in life? What do I do next in my life? Maybe some of you are mid-career. You're in a job, and you're really hating the job that you have. You're really thinking to yourself, well, I hate to get up on Monday morning because I just dread going to work. Well, I want to show you in the Scripture some biblical precedents for what God says about work. If you're a young person or you're on the end of your career, I want to tell you this. When you're choosing a career, number one, I want you to write this down. Go with your passion. Go with your passion. If you have the opportunity to choose a career that reflects your passion, then go with your passion. Why? Because passion is the fuel that gets you up in the morning and keeps you going when the going gets tough. Hmm? You see, the truth is, is that, 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 that you need to ask yourself a question. What, what causes in your life? What people group? What things around you make you cry? I mean, really 
put a passion in your heart. You know, my, my daughter Janine, the reason why she became a nurse was because we went to Mexico and she, be, she was ministering to this little girl and she prayed for this little girl. And that little girl today is in heaven. She's walking on streets of gold. She's in glory. But it so shaped the way that she felt about helping people that she said, you know what, I'm going to use my, my mind and my talents and my hands. I'm going to use it to serve the public. And today she is doing her master's degree in public health. And she's doing that because she was touched by something that so moved her heart that she became passionate about helping the public. And so go with your passion, the things that you're passionate about. What challenges you? in life. Go move with your passion. I, I remember as a college student, you know, I had, I had given my life to the Lord. I was 19 years old, and I went to college, and the reason why I went to college is because I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. I, I felt like I wanted to be in the ministry. I wasn't sure, and so I, I didn't want to waste my time, so I went to a secular college, and the first day, I thought to myself, well, what am I going to register for? What am I going to sign up for? I said, well, you know what? Computers are big, and uh, computer programmers and all of that stuff, that's a big industry. I'm going to sign up for that because I can make a lot of money. I went to the class. Listen to me. I endured the class for one hour, walked out of that class and said, this is not me. Because I wasn't passionate about it at all. I had a public speaking class in school. <laughs> I got an A-plus in that class. Not because I was the greatest speaker, but I was passionate. And everybody in that class heard about the Lord Jesus Christ in that class. It was a secular college. I even had some girls in the back. They pulled out white handkerchiefs because they probably went to that kind of church. And they were kind of mocking me. But they were going, come on, get ahead, preach it right now. I thought it was the best. Uh, but I found my passion. I said, this is what I want to do. I want to instill in people a motivation to do what God wants them to do in their life. I want to reach people with the gospel. I want to inspire people. I want to encourage people. I want to challenge people. And I followed my passion in my life. And friends, let me tell you, it's not always easy to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go work as a pastor. But boy, oh boy, I tell you, the passion inside of me becomes the fuel that gets me up in the morning and keeps me going when the, t when the going gets tough. Somebody say amen. Go with your passion. Go with your, something that you feel so passionate about. Number two, determine what natural abilities you possess in your life. Because listen, God put those natural abilities in your life. Young person, what are some things that you're naturally gifted at doing? See, all of us have hundreds of talents. I know that most of us say, well, what can I do? But the truth is, all of us have natural talents in our life. It's called our shape. We're shaped a certain way. And God has given us natural talents. I, I realized my natural talent was to be with people. That, that was something that I loved to do. I was a passion of mine. But, but it comes easy for me to talk. And I know all of you say amen to that. The challenge is to stop. But, but I love to be with people. I love to be out with people. I remember my first job. I was 17 and a half years old. I graduated from high school, and I went to work in the city. I worked actually right next to the World Trade Center. I had to pass through the World Trade Center. I was actually a draft 
shipman for a a, a naval firm and um, the truth of the matter is they that that they had had a big contract uh, to to actually design fast frigate battleships and I was a draftsman and my my job was design control I would have to find a, a pipe or, or or HVA system or structure that was colliding with, with with another part of the structure of the ship and I would have to actually look at that do the calculations and then move that certain pipe or whatever it was out of the way and put it somewhere else and that was called design control and so I was actually kind of uh, below an architect but in that field and um, I'll tell you what it was the most miserable job for me you know what here's they put me on in a on a desk and all I had to do is just sit at that desk all day long drawing could you see Pastor Steve sitting at a desk all day long Every opportunity I got, I, I got up, and guess what I did? I talked to all my buddies everywhere. I talked to my buddies. Okay, not a great career for me, right? And um, I wasn't really naturally talent in, in, talented in doing that. And as a result of that, it was a really struggle for me because I didn't have a passion for it, and I wasn't naturally talented. You see, the reason why I chose those two fields was because I was thinking about money. And so number three, young person, never allow money to be the number one priority in taking a job or choosing a career. Never. That, that's so critical. I want you to write that down. You know, so many of us, we want to be rich. That's why we take a career. Friend, the truth of the matter is, is that your inner contentment is the key to finding the right job and making the best decision in your life. Inner contentment. If you're not content as a person, if you're not happy as a person, chances are you're going to choose the wrong career. You see, the truth is most people choose a career out of desperation as if that career is going to fill the longing of their souls. See, a lot of people choose a career because they think if I choose the right career, it's going to make me happy. Now, the truth is you need to be happy at work. You need to find your passion and you need to find your talents and you need to know what God's calling you to do. But so many people think that now I'm unhappy, but now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the right career that's going to make me a lot of money so that I can be happy in my life. And they're unhappy, and so they run after a job that offers them a certain amount of money, and they miss, listen to me, they miss the sacredness of choosing a job. It becomes all about money and not about what fits them best for God's purpose and plan on how God designed them and gave them passions to fulfill that which they have been created, listen to me, to do. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Notice what Paul the Apostle says to young Timothy, as young Timothy is probably wrestling with, what do I do with my life? I love God, but what do I do with my life? Young Timothy's probably at, you know, Jerusalem uh, uh, Community College, and he's thinking, what am I going to do with my life? And notice what Paul says to Timothy. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Here's the key thought. The key thought is never choose a job when you're not content with your life because you'll always choose money to try to make you happy. You'll always choose position to try to make you happy. Here's the problem. Paul tells us, listen to me, people who want to get rich 
fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Why? Because the love of money is the root of all mistakes. The love of money is the root of all evil in our life. So what's the consequences? Paul goes on and tells young Timothy while he's in Jerusalem Community College, he says this, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many grief. Why? Because they chose money over what would truly bring significance in their life. And as a result of that, they plunged themselves into many griefs. Hebrews 13.5 says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content in what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Young person, listen to me. Paul is not saying don't be motivated to get a good job. Don't get me wrong. Paul is not saying don't work hard. Paul's not saying to be lazy and just be content whatever comes your way. No, God calls us to be excellent in everything we do. Come on, somebody say amen. And Paul tells us that we're to do everything with absolute integrity and character, with a sense of excellence in our heart, and we need to work really hard. When we talk about contentment, it's not about hard work or laziness. It's talking about inner contentment in our heart. Notice what Proverbs 14.23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. There it is. We have a lot of people that are talkers. Well, you know, when I go to college, I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah. When I get out of college, I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. But they're really not hard workers. And the Bible says all talk, mere talk, is going to lead to poverty. So hard work is a very important thing. Proverbs 21, 25 says the sluggard's cravings will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. Paul the apostle says you don't work, you don't eat. No tiki, no shirty. He said, you got to work hard, and everyone needs to work hard. But the motivation to work hard is not money. The, the motivation to work hard is to bring glory to God. Come on, somebody say amen. The motivation of working hard is that God has made you a steward of the gifts that he placed in your hands. The motivation in working hard is that God has given you a window of opportunity and he's given you passions and he's given you talents and you use all of that for his glory and for his honor. Come on, somebody help me out. The motivation isn't simply even success. Now, success is a good thing. How many of you want to be successful? Let me see your hands. Come on, let me see your hands. Did you know that you can be successful and not significant? And the truth is, you need to run after significance more than success. Hey, listen, there are some athletes that are successful in what they do, but they're not living a life of significance. Why? Because they're not making an impact on other people's lives. See, God says this is significance. Significance is to love your neighbor as yourself. Significance means that you use your resources to bless the world. That you are a successful business person, but you tithe on your money and, and, and you give to missions and you give to the work of the kingdom of God. And so the more successful you become in your business, the more significant you become in the world. Come on, somebody. That's some good teaching right there. You see, you could be successful and not have an impact on other people's lives. You could be successful and never make a significant contribution to the world. 
You know, my favorite president is Abraham Lincoln. Here's a man that never had a formal education, but he loved God with all of his heart. And he turned his success into significance in which we are enjoying today his success and his significance because he made a big difference on the way we view our world today. You know, I think of Martin Luther King, who was an incredibly gifted orator, incredible, incredible speaker. And he spent his life doing one thing, looking at what Abraham Lincoln started and finishing what he started by challenging people in peaceful ways to take a hard look at what this country stood for and then make a change and, and treat all people equal. He gave his life for what he believed and preached, but he was a man of incredible significance in our life. I think of Milton Hershey. Anybody know who Milton Hershey is? In the early 20th century, Milton Hershey became one of the wealthiest men of his day. But working to amass wealth was not Mr. Hershey's defining moment in his life. It didn't even define his life at all. He measured his financial success in terms of what he could accomplish for other people. So what did he do? He built a town that provided pleasant living and for the employees of his factory. He built a medical center, a family amusement park, a school for underprivileged children. Milton Hershey loved to make chocolate, but to him, work was primarily a means to serve God and provide enjoyment to other people. You see, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That whatever you do, you can take your work life and turn it into a sacred pursuit, a journey of significance in your life. Come on, somebody say amen. So turn your job into a sacred act of worship. That's powerful. When you get up in the morning and you turn your job into a sacred pursuit of worship in your life, then you begin to find your purpose in life. I know that most Christians believe that what pastors do is sacred. What we do is secular. That's not true. Not at all. In fact, that is absolutely unbiblical. I know some, some people look at pastors and they think, wow, if I could only do that, if I could only pray all day and seek God all day and be at the church all day long, then I would be living a sacred life. But you know, the Bible says in Ephesians that pastors are the coaches. Pastors are the mentors to train the people to do the work of the kingdom of God. That you are the sacred temple of God. And wherever you go, whatever you do, you can turn it into a sacred act of worship. Somebody help me out. Say amen. See, Paul says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So listen to me. You may choose to be a plumber. You may choose to be a carpenter. You may choose to be a doctor or a nurse. You may choose to be an office worker or, or a stockbroker. But you can choose to turn the simple, listen to me, into the sacred. You see, when you love God with all your heart, when you love your neighbor as yourself, when you recognize whatever you do, wherever you do it, whenever you do it, however you do it, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're called to be the salt and the light, and you want every talent and every skill every day of your life to bring glory to God and that you might use it for the profit of other people, then every day becomes a sacred act of worship. 
John Ashcroft in January 1995. He was just about to be elected to the Senate. And his dad was just about to go into eternity. And his dad was a lover of God. And so as the family and friends gathered in Washington for a small reception, J. Robert Ascroft asked his son, John Ascroft, to play the piano while everyone was listening. And John Ascroft began to play the song, We Are Standing on Holy Ground. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. And Oh, you're getting, you're getting it with me there. And after the song, the frail old man spoke some powerful words to his son right before he went into eternity. Listen, he said, John, I want you to know that even Washington can be holy ground. Wherever you hear the voice of God, that ground is sanctified. It is a place where God can call you to his highest and his best. So wherever you go, whatever you do, whether you're a student in college, whether you're a student in high school, whether you work in a factory, whatever you do tomorrow morning, when you leave your house and you enter into that place of work, recognize you just entered into holy ground. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and that becomes the temple. That becomes the place whereby you share the glory of God with people. Come on, somebody say amen. Turn your everyday simple things that you do into an act of worship to God. And, real, and realize this as I close. That the why and the how is much more important than the where and the when. Let me say that again. Write that down. The why and the how is so much more important than the where and the when. Listen to me. When it comes to the work of God, it is more about the why and the how than about where and when we're going to do what we do. You see, I really believe that way too many Christians miss the whole reason why they get up every morning and they leave their house and go to work. Listen to me. You don't go to work to make money. You don't go to work and work with a certain group of people without an incredibly important reason. You don't even work because you have to work. You get up every morning because God has given you an, an opportunity to be his ambassador for Christ. <laughs> I love what Paul the Apostle says. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, real quick. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16. Listen what it says here, very carefully. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't any longer. Paul the Apostle is saying, from now on, you don't regard your work life from a worldly point of view. You don't regard the simple things of your life from a worldly point of view. You see, so many of us, we think everything that we do is unspiritual and secular until we come to church on Sunday morning. Then all of a sudden, we become spiritual. Paul the Apostle says, no, we don't regard what we do anymore 
from a temporal carnal perspective any longer. Look, look what he says. He says, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. Here's your job description. Every one of you, I want to give you your job description as a Christian in your work life. He said, and he committed, listen to me, the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. Listen to me. Paul is saying, here's your job description. When you got hired, did you get a job description? Here's what you need to do. Well, in the Bible, God's given us our job description. When you go to work, when you get up tomorrow morning, wherever you go, you are Christ ambassadors. That's what he said. And you have been given the job description to reconcile people back to God. He said, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. He said, you're God's assistant. You're God's personal assistant. Check it out. Now, when you get up tomorrow morning, I want you to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I got the most important job. I work for the most important person. If you work for the president of the United States, if you work for a congressman or a senator, you think to yourself, oh, boy, I work for, you know what? You work far beyond the, the president of the United States. You work for God. You're God's fellow worker. Hallelujah. And you represent God in all that you do. You are God's ambassador. Come on, somebody say amen. Listen to me, tomorrow morning when you get up, you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I have a high-ranking, esteemed, celebrated, impressive, and influential job description. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am an envoy sent to represent God to the nations. I am a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a, a foreign government. What government? Not of this world, but a government of heaven, glory. And I represent a king. I am a representative temporarily sent to a foreign land. Why? Because this is not our home. We're just passing through. And our job is to do everything we can to reconcile mankind back to God. And friend, there are people at your workplace, there are people at school that they're lost and they're going to a Christless hell. And God has put you there as the salt, as the light of the world. He's put you there as an ambassador of Christ. He's put you there as a representative. And friends, I want you to know that there is a great theater and you're the main act at your work. Come on, somebody. And God is the one who wants to glorify himself through your life Jesus said all authority has been given to me as the king of kings and lord of lord therefore go to work tomorrow morning and represent me well hallelujah there was a noted noted English architect Sir Christopher Wren and he was supervising the construction of a, a magnificent cathedral in London. And a journalist thought it would be interesting to interview some of the workers that were working on the great cathedral. And so he interviewed the first person. And he said, what are you doing here? And the first person replied, I'm cutting stone for 10 shillings a day. The next one answered, I'm putting in 10 hours a day on this miserable job. And the third person said, I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren construct one of London's greatest cathedrals. 
And friends, I want you to know that you may think that you're just putting in a day's work. You may think that you're just doing it for a paycheck. But friend, you're not doing it just for a paycheck. You're building the greatest kingdom the world has ever seen, the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You are representing Christ in all that you do. So remind yourself. I, I love what it says in Colossians 3. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Do it not only for when they're looking at you to gain their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work with all your heart as you're working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord and a reward, because it is Christ that you are serving, not your boss, but Christ that you are serving. So Paul addresses people. What kind of people is Paul addressing there? He's addressing slaves in Rome. I mean, there was nothing worse than being a slave. You were somebody else's property. When you got sick, they just put you to death. You were just like worse than an animal. They Listen to me. The Romans treated dogs, their pets, better than they treated slaves. And Paul the Apostle is talking to slaves. And he's not condoning slavery. But he is saying this. He said, whatever you do, do it with all your heart because you're doing it for Christ. He said, slaves, obey your masters. In today's terms, he's saying, employees, obey your bosses. Unless it's illegal to do, he said, obey your bosses in everything. He said, obey them so that you might not only do it when they're looking at you to gain a promotion, but even when they're not watching you. See, that's the how. Why do you do it? You do it because you're an ambassador. The how, you do it with excellence. You do it even when they're not looking, even when they're not watching you. You know, there's some Christians, let me tell you something. They are a sad, bad example in their workplace. And it's no wonder their boss say, I don't want to have anything to do with their Christianity. Why? Because when they come to work, they're the first one to leave. They come in late every day. They treat their job as if it's unsacred. And then they come to church and they raise their hands before the Lord. Can you imagine the impact that we as Christians can make if the world around us would see when we go to work, we come to work with joy. Everybody else is miserable. It's Monday morning. It's Monday morning. I get to work. Hallelujah. Hmm? Can you imagine the impact we would make on our workplace? Listen, too many of you, listen to me. I'm going to say something prophetic right now. Too many of you, you are scaredy cats. Too many of you, you go to work and you're intimidated by the people around you. And you know what? You hold your head down and you don't speak about the Lord. You don't talk about the good things that are happening in your life because you're scared about what your boss is going to think or anyone else is going to think. You go to work tomorrow and you hold your head up and you smile with the joy of the Lord and let them see the peace of God in your life. That's how you do it. Glory to God. You, you, you fix people's cars with integrity and character and enthusiasm you do plumbing like my my good friend Angelo Buclo senior when he goes to somebody's house he's the singing plumber he's always singing and smiling when he's doing something that brings glory to God when you're cutting people's hair do it with the best that you can don't chop their hair and make a mess out of their head do it with God's glory hallelujah over you an office worker, whatever it is, because you know deep down in your heart, God is using you to be the light in your workplace. 
How many of us could say this morning that when we go to work, we do it with all of our heart? Come on, listen to me. If it's sacred, then the same way that we should sing unto the Lord, the same way that we should read our word, the same way, way that we should share our faith with other people, how many of you would say that we don't take advantage of our boss, that we're never late, that we never cheat our company, that we always give 110%. Why do we do this? Because Paul says, even when our boss is unfair, even when our boss is totally mistreating us, even when we're underpaid and underappreciated, maybe even when our boss is a total jerk, the truth of the matter is that Paul says, when you go to work, you be the light at work. You be the salt in the world. You be ready to do what is right in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Paul says, be thankful for your work. Be diligent in your work. Be joyful when you're working. Be honest in all your dealings. Be faithful even when your boss is not faithful to you. Be prayerful for God's opportunities to share the gospel at work. And what is your reward? Here it is in closing right now. Whatever you do, do it all with all of your heart as working not for man but for God. Sin Listen to me. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord that you are serving. Notice what he said. He says, when you get to heaven, listen to me, look at me. When you get to heaven, Paul tells us, you might not be getting more than $10 an hour down here, but God's keeping a record. Listen to me. This is what he's saying. You didn't know this. This is a biblical truth that you've never heard before. That whatever you do, whether you're getting $10 an hour or $20 an hour, if you do it as you're doing it unto the Lord because you are an ambassador for Christ, then God's keeping a record of that. And as a result of that, when you get to heaven, you're going to get a reward. You're going to get a great reward for being the best employee of the year, of the century at your job. God is going to reward you. You might be thinking, you know what, I'm only getting $10, $10 an hour, I'm, and I'm worth $20 an hour, so I'm not going to put my best in. God says, when you put in the best, when you put in the best, I'll take care of the rest. Come on, somebody, say amen. I'm keeping it in heaven where Roth, uh, rust or moth or anything else cannot steal your reward so when you do your work to the very best of your ability there's a reward waiting in heaven how many of you want a reward in heaven let me see your hands come on stand to your feet with me i want to pray for you today because the truth of the matter is is that some of you you hate your jobs and you're miserable and the truth is if you could start to see that you have opportunities when you go to work. Let, let me just, let me close with this. Before, between I was, I was in, in, before I went into ministry, I was in between jobs. And I, I needed money. I, I was married. So I started working for the union in the city. I was a union painter. And I'm telling you, if I tell you I hated, I hated that job until the Lord showed me that he put me there for a reason and for a season. And God showed me that I was to be a light to the people in that apartment building that I was working in. So I'd take my paintbrush and I'd take my roller and I'd say, God, today use me to talk to somebody about the love of Christ 
and I'd be smiling and painting away and there'd be somebody there in that apartment building watching me as I was smiling and being very kind and courteous and they had not seen that before in the other workers and so often I'd be able to enter into a dialogue and so many times I was able to pray for people that they would come to know Christ as their Savior and their Lord and I knew that God was testing me to see whether I was going to be faithful to the sacredness of being an ambassador for Christ wherever I go. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to raise your hand towards heaven. And I want you to say this prayer with me today. And if you mean it, I believe God's going to make you an ambassador. I want you to say with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me for taking my job lightly and thinking it was just simply secular and Lord forgive me today for not recognizing that my steps are ordered by you and you place me in certain places so that I might be your representative your ambassador that I might be light and salt in a world that is dark and needs joy and needs the gospel Lord today I commit myself to you help me to make the decision to be your ambassador first thank you Jesus fill me today with a sense of power and purpose as I leave this place I am called and blessed to do everything I do for the glory of your kingdom in Jesus name come on give the Lord a clap offering hallelujah now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed in this place one more time you say pastor I'm not even sure that that if I died today I'd go to heaven and I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins Pastor, I'm not sure that I have a relationship with God. And today, I want to be right with the Lord. I, I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I want you to raise your hand quickly right now. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Anybody in this room right now? You say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. Anybody else today? Yes, yes, yes. I see that hand. Yes. Anyone else today? Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else here? Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, I want, I want you to pray for me today. I want you to pray for me. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to dismiss everyone in this place, but I want to personally, I'm going to come down from this platform right now, and I want to personally pray for you if you raised your hand, and then my, the workers are going to come, and they're going to help us give you something important, but, but if you raise your hand, in a moment I'm going to say a prayer blessing. When everyone else goes that way, I want you to come this way, all right? So I want everybody to turn around, everybody turn and face that wall right there. Face that wall right there everybody face that wall all right I want you to remember the mission field is not in this room the mission field is at your workplace so missionaries just like Janine Malazzo you go out and you take the world for Jesus and be the light God bless you have a great day don't forget to visit Janine downstairs If you raise your hand, just come forward. I want to pray for you right now. If you raise your hand, just come forward right now. Come quickly.
Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.